0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Everybody doing all right? You good? Just doing a little shuffle this morning. (laughs) Have you ever felt like somebody was controlling your life? Well that's not uncommon because sometimes people do try to control your life. Stand with me this morning. I am here. That was just my big fat head. So when you leave today you can say something happened at church, unusual. The pastor was the headless preacher today. Let me give you one verse and we're going to pray and we're going to get into something I think is very, very important. How many of you have ever felt like you lost control? How many of you ever felt like somebody was trying to control you? And, and this is not something that's strange or unusual because we navigate those waters all of the time. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses uh, 17 18, verse you're very familiar with. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation, a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All things have become new. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, the only way we can become a new creation, a new creature, is through Jesus, right? You can't produce it on your own. But I want you to go back to verse 14 because verse 14 is very important. It says, for the love of God or the love of Christ controls us. If you have a King James Bible, it says the love of Christ constrains us. Now, what does the word constrain mean? It means to hold together. In the negative, it can mean to restrain, oppress, to impede impel someone to press, take captive, or narrow place. Do you know the love of God does keep us in the right place? And the love of God keeps us on the narrow place. But the love of God should control you. The love of Jesus could control you, should control you. But you have to give that control to Jesus for him to control you. Do you believe that? I mean, he will not just, um, you know, make you a mind robot. He wants you to submit your life to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together today. Lord, we pray that our ears would be open, our heart receptive. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today you ever said this, I'm just trying to hold things together? Trying to keep things from falling apart? Boy, sometimes I've said that. We all want control, and control can either be good or bad. I mean, can there be good control, bad control? Uh, Let me address the men here. Men, look at me, focus just for a minute. How many of you men, when you're watching television, you want to hold the remote control? Some of you or lying to me if you lie you fry how many of you guys when you're watching television you want to hold the remote control I mean even if your wife is watching the Hallmark Channel you still want to hold the remote control sometimes when we watch television together um, I will just move to another channel when the Commercials come on. Does anybody else do that? I hate commercials. I mean, they're trying to control us. And so I will zip to another show. And sometimes Carrie says, I don't even know what show we're watching now. Because you have the control. You know, have you ever wished you could control what you eat more? How many of you wish you could control what you eat more? Um, You you know, you you say, I'm not going to eat that Snickers bar. But then you eat the whole package of M&M's with peanuts. Someone said, if someone murders me in the parking lot, the chalk line the police draws would look like a circle around me. And I understand that. Uh, You've heard this when you get to heaven, Peter meets you at the gate. So a new group arrived at the gate, the pearly gate, and and Peter said, okay, uh, we have some lines, we want you to get in. The women get in one line, and all the men who are the heads of their house get in one line, and all the men who have wimped out and the woman controls you get in this line. So God's going to come out, and God came out, sent the women in, and he looked at the two lines, only one guy in the line that said he was the head of his house. And so God said, I'm so disappointed at you, men. I gave you my dominion, my authority, my name. I gave you a helpmate, not a, uh, you know, someone to lord over you. And, and all you guys are in the wimp out line. But this one guy, he's over there head of his house. He said, tell them why you're over there. He said, my wife made me go over there to that line. <laughs> you, you see, control is something that everybody has to deal with. And so you and I have to deal with that. And I want to talk to you this morning about some negative control because there are some things that are negative because control is tricky and there's a lot of things in people that want to control your life. Culture wants to control you. What to dress, what to eat, where to go, how to wear your hair, how kind of, uh, you know, um, the, the shoes, the different things you want to do. Um, I, I began to research this and there's a lot of advice on how to get control of your life. Can I just read some of them to you? I mean, there's several. I mean, we could be here all day. Uh, Here's one by Dr. Abigail Brenner, Psychology Today, Six Ways to Take Back Control of Your Life. Number one, take back ownership of yourself. Create a healthy space between you and your relationships. Recognize, acknowledge your own worth. Recognize those individuals in your life that have their own agenda about you. Um, Heed the warning signs of those who really don't want a serious relationship with you. Don't try to fix people. There's six ways to take control of your life. Now, what I noticed that Kathy Caprino in Forbes magazine says, here's six ways to take control of your life. Another six ways. Be disciplined about your me time. Don't be afraid to uh, flaunt a convention or another way of saying be unconventional. Treat yourself as you would a guest. Learn how to say no. Make a habit of trying new things. Embrace what life is trying to teach you. Then the wellness recovery action plan has six ways to take control of your life. I mean, there's only six ways to take control of your life. (laughs) So here's their six ways. Um, Think about what you really want in your life and what you want to be like. Number two, list things that you've kept from doing that you wanted to do. Uh, know your rights. Insist others respect your rights. Educate yourself. Plan your strategies. And number six is, is where the possible first step is to get involved in the upcoming election. Really? That's just dumb. Didn't Dynamic Catholics. Seven ways to control your life. Catholics one-upped them. Seven ways. Understand with self-awareness, dream, filter your dreams and vision, choose right things, overcome obstacles, achieve. And those are all good advice. But how many of you know that not only do we need advice, we need to know where the potholes are. We, we need to know where the negatives are. Where can we get into trouble? So I want to give you very quickly this morning five things that you and I need to know about the control of our life. And we got to go back to this. Can someone or something exude control in your life? And the answer is what? absolutely yes so here's number one are you being controlled by your past are you being controlled by your past you know when yesterday ended midnight last night so you can't go back relive it redo it faults failures George Orwell who wrote 1984 the novel he said those who control the past control the future and those who control the present controls the past listen if you're holding on to the past your past has got a hold of you Because a lot of people get locked in to their failures, their mistakes, what happened, what didn't happen, their things they expected to happen, and that past grips them in a very negative way. Do you know that the possibilities of your future are greater than the regrets of your past? So we can go forward in confidence, and the Bible actually addresses this issue. Turn with me in your Bible to Philippians chapter 3. Most of you know this by heart, but Paul deals with this. He says, brethren, say that with me, brethren. Now let's all say it, brethren. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. He's not talking to the world out there. He's not talking about, uh, you know, this guy or that girl. He's talking about those who put their faith in Christ. So you can put your faith in Christ and still struggle with your past. You can be a believer and still have some issues with controlling past things that can be a detriment to your life and my life. Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press to the mark, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying sometimes we have issues in our past that we have to forget and press forward. Is there anything in your past that has been an issue with you? There has been in mine. Now, we could say, now, Paul, you're an apostle. What in the world are you talking about? You don't have any past issues you're dealing with, really. Do you know he actually talks about his past issues? Do you know that he persecuted the people of God? that he consented to people's death. He had them imprisoned. He said in Acts 9, he went out threatening murder for the believers and taking prisoners of both men and women. You see, he was a Jewish zealot, Saul of Tarsus. And when he was converted and when he was changed and dealt with that past, it was only when he had an encounter with Jesus You see, for you to deal with the past and for me to get past the past, I really need to have a healthy, life-changing encounter with Jesus. How many of you agree with that? Because you're going to try it on your own. I'm going to try it on my own. But how many of you know Jesus helps us with the past? Now, he brings this up in his letter to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 9. He said, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. What's he doing? He's saying, okay, there's some issues in my past I'm still dealing with. I don't even deserve to be an apostle. I persecuted the church, I imprisoned the church, I consented to their murder, and Acts 7 gives us a very vivid account. When Saul of Tarsus, who would later become the Apostle Paul, was in a group when there was a young man by the name of Stephen who was defending the faith and the Christian way. Those who were religious, the Sanhedrin, the scribes, the Pharisees, were so vehemently opposed to Stephen, they killed him. They took up stones and they stoned a young man by the name of Stephen. Picture in your mind, here is a man, a godly man, chosen by God, just standing up for his faith, and this crowd around him is so angry. The Bible says they wanted to gnash upon him with their teeth. Listen, if somebody bites you as an adult, they're angry. (laughs) Some of you just woke up when I said that. Now that might happen back in a nursery class, or the terrific two-year-olds. But when somebody who is 40 or 50 or 60 wants to bite you because they're so angry, they're out of their ever-loving mind. And so this young man, Saul of Tarsus, who'd become the, the Apostle Paul, the Bible says they laid their coats at his feet as he watched them pick up stones. We're not talking about pebbles. We're talking about heavy rocks And pound a young man's life out of him. And the Bible says he gave up the spirit. And here Saul is, Paul is, watching this indoctrinated by blood. And he goes out on a terror to persecute the church. But when he has that encounter with Jesus, he's changed. But yet still he's saying, I have to forget those things that are Behind me. I have to look forward to the things that are ahead of me. I have to press to the mark I can't carry the chain. I can't carry the baggage. I can't carry the junk in the trunk. I got to move forward Even though I failed and I've done some things wrong has a man ever walked out of your life A wife left you divorce. You didn't get the job didn't get the promotion. You didn't finish school it could be your business went bad. The, the parents didn't really parent you like they should. Could have been physical abuse, sexual abuse, mental abuse, and now you're dealing with that. Maybe you're here today and you feel the grip of addiction trying to control your life or a past fault or failure, and you're saying, What do I do? You have to move beyond that. And I found out to move beyond that sometimes you have to have help, right? And you have to have a power greater than you to move beyond the past. Holding on to something that you can't change is never a good thing. If you can't change it, why hold on to it? Because this is going to drag you down. It's not going to be good for you. You know what of the key ingredients of Getting past the past? Forgiveness. Say that with me. Forgiveness. Everybody needs forgiveness to receive it and give it. Because sometimes we think if I forgive them, I release them from their accountability. The answer is you don't. They're still accountable to God. But why would you tie to a bad thing in unforgiveness? It's been said millions of times. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. And that's really true. Bitterness. Doubt. Aggression, everything builds up within us from God wants to give us love and mercy and grace. And your past is not the last chapter of your life because there is a pressing forward. And it takes faith and courage to get past your past. It takes faith to get past your past because you will self-condemn yourself for what you've done when all the time God has forgiven you. Why would you not forgive you if God's forgiven you? And how many of you know his opinion and his word is what really matters? So we have to be careful that we don't hold on and let the past control us. Here's number two. Do not let other people's opinion of you control you. Do you know other people have an opinion of you? They'll even post your opinion on Facebook. Whether you like it or not. Let me give you some words here, some lines. He's out of his mind. I think he's possessed by a devil. He has an impure, unclean spirit. He's a glutton and a drunkard. You know who those words were said about? Jesus. If they'll say it about Jesus, I'll guarantee it, they'll say it about you. You. They're going to say things. You're going to hear things that you do not like. And it's going to be people's opinion about you. And listen, this is what I found. I didn't say this in the early service, but I'm going to to just drop this on you. you. You're getting the extra today. When I became a Christian, I'd done a lot of things just like you in my past that I wasn't proud of. And when you meet someone that only knew you from your past... How many of you know there's a likelihood they'll bring all that back up? Because that's all they knew. And so the first part of my Christian experience, I had to deal with people saying, well, you remember when you did that? You remember when we went out and did this? You remember when this happened and this happened? And I would have to say yes. But I developed a self-mechanism to help me. And this may be for somebody just special today. If they keep bringing that stuff up for you and to you, This is what I found out. This is what to say. Never has failed me in 40-something years. You're right. I did do those things. But you know what? I've accepted the Lord as my Savior, and that's not who I am today. That's who I was, but that's not who I am today. You just pray that I'll continue to do good. And you know what they do? They go, uh, uh, uh. Because, let me tell you why. Because you disagreed with them to what they said I mean let's not deny it I did do those things but then you said that's who I was that's not who I am today but you pray for me that I'll continue to do good and they just look at you like a calf at a new gate because they don't know how to respond to that what is it you're not letting their opinion of your past control your future. And so we have to do that. Now, how about some of these words? You'll recognize them. Fat, heavy, porky, skinny, dumb, stupid, dense, slow. Irresponsible, fool, failure, incompetent, weird, geek, space cadet, lazy, inferior, boring, ugly, useless. Well, kids, young people, spouses. Sometimes we hear those words. Those are hurtful words. I'd like to get a hold of that guy that said, Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'd like to hurt him. (laughs) Not really. Just rough him up a little. Because words do hurt us. And those words can ring and echo in your mind and your spirit. And you can even get labeled. Now don't hold up your hand, and we did this in the early service and they they cooperated. How many of you had a nickname that wasn't really advantageous to you? And sometimes those monikers and those nicknames can follow us through our life and, and they're not good sometimes. So we have to be careful that we don't get labeled because other people's opinions don't define who you are. Other opinions don't delegate to you who you should become. How many of you know, between you and God, you can decide who you're going to be. And there is a place you can move forward. And if you're a believer, there is no way on the top side of this earth that you're going to get through this without being criticized and labeled and people having an opinion about you. Listen closely. Everybody's at attention here. If you believe this word about who Jesus is, about creation, about marriage, About sexuality if you believe this and you embrace what this word says you will be labeled in a very negative way you're unmerciful you're unkind you're not accepting my friends God loves everybody and we should love everybody you and I should extend mercy and grace to everyone but I wanted to say this the Word of God has something to say about every area of our life and if you agree with what the Word says the culture and the world is going to label you as narrow-minded homophobic they're gonna label you with all kinds of names because you are standing on what the Word of God says. You don't have to be ugly, you you don't have to be crass about it, but if you're a believer and you're gonna believe the Word, they're gonna label you and they're gonna say some things about you. He said, oh pastor, they're not gonna say anything about me? Well, let's get a second opinion. Luke chapter 6. Blessed are you when men hate you. What? If people hate me, I'm blessed? And when they exclude you and revile you, insult you, cast you out, reject your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. If you believe in Jesus, they're going to have an opinion about you, and many of those opinions are going to be very negative. And even if you're trying to do what you should do, Even people in the church will have an opinion about you that sometimes is not good. Let me tell you a story. Many of you heard this story. Uh, Several years ago, I I preached the service just like we are in today. And people are filing out. I went out to the foyer of the church, and there was a lady I'd never seen before. And so I went up, introduced myself. How are you? Hope you enjoyed the service. And she said, I really did enjoy the service. She said, it wasn't anything like I was told. (laughs) Well, my attention now is peaked. And I said, what were you told? And she said, well, y'all believe this, and you did this, and your services are like this. And I said, who told you that? And you know who it was? It was a pastor's wife of one of the churches in our area. And she said, well, I really didn't enjoy it. It wasn't anything like I was told. Y'all aren't anything like what she said you were like. Good. (laughs) But I remember saying this to her. I said you know what I'm here for nearly every service and I've never seen that lady one time ever walk through those doors or ever experience a service here. She doesn't have a clue what we believe or what we're like or what our services are like but even though they don't have a clue they still have an opinion and they're going to have one about you and they're going to have one about me so get ready. Those opinions can control you if you let them control you. Here's the third thing. Unhealthy relationships. Can you believe anyone would ever get in an unhealthy relationship? Go figure. People do it all the time. I love them. I'll change them. And I'm a space cadet too you see unhealthy relationships can be controlling proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 he who walks with wise men will be wise a companion of fools will be destroyed so does it matter who you hang out with yes it does how many of you a parent said birds of a feather flock together sometimes my parents said that I hated to hear it but guess what it's really true I remember in high school one time, I decided I'm going to skip school. Anybody skip school here? Oh, y'all are sinners. <laughs> in high school one day, I was going to skip school. And, and, and a friend of mine, uh, Terry, who's also a preacher today, but back then neither one of us were preachers, okay. <laughs> So anyway, we skipped school and we went over to his house because his parents work, my mother's a school teacher, dad worked. And so we went to his house and, and in the middle of the afternoon, the phone rang. And he said, it's for you. I said, it's for me. And it was my mother. How do you know school teachers have eyes in the back of their heads? So anyway, she says, they told me you didn't show up for school. Where are you? And I, uh, 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 she said, you get yourself back to school right now. And uh, I'd like to blame it on him because it was an unhealthy relationship. And he probably blamed it on me because it's an unhealthy relationship. So I get back to school. Guess what they did? They kicked me out of school for three days. <laughs> I never figured that out. You skip school, they kick you out. <laughs> Who's making that up? <laughs> well, you're like me, right? You, uh, you don't understand it. So you can run with the wrong crowd and this is what dad would say. Even Mike, if you're not doing it, if you hang out with them, they think you're doing it. So unhealthy relationships are always a negative for you. You see, a healthy relationship doesn't drag you down. A healthy relationship builds you up. So you have to kind of monitor that because before you know it, it can be controlling. I need them. I want them. I don't want to be excommunicated out of the group. Someone said cutting people out of your life doesn't mean that you hate them. It means that you respect yourself. So you have to have those healthy parameters. You have to have those healthy boundaries. Years ago, I did a series on the Ten Commandments. And I started at number one, went all the way to number ten, uh, But when I got to this commandment, honor your mother and father, so your days may be long upon the face of the earth. I got more response from teaching on that commandment than any of the others, because this is what I said. There are some of you here today who've been abused by your parents. You've been neglected by your parents. You've been abandoned by your parents. You've been neglected. Should you still honor them and love them the very best you can? But also realize you have to have a healthy boundary because you can't go back and continue to be abused over and over again. Does that mean you don't care for them or you don't try to uh, help them? Doesn't mean that at all. But I want you to know there are some people in this world it is hard to honor and it's hard to love. Would you agree? So we do the best we can. So a young man came to me after that several years ago. And he said, Pastor Mike, my dad wants to see me. He's my biological father, but he's never been a father to me at all. Matter of fact, I hardly know him. He abandoned our family when I was born. He hasn't sent me money. He didn't help me through school. Uh, I don't see him on the holidays. He's basically abandoned me. And he lives down in the metroplex and he's dying and he wants me to come see him before he dies. What should I do? And this is what I told him. I said, you need to go see your dad. I said, here's why. All the things you said, I believe. But it could be, it could be, now that he's dying, he's trying to make some things right in his life before he dies. And here's another thing, you may not understand this today, but I think when you get 35 and 45 and 50, you're going to look back to this moment and you're going to say, when you get older, I'm glad I went to see my dad, even though it doesn't mean anything to you today, but when you get older, I think it's going to mean something to you. Even though he didn't do the right thing, you can do the right thing. Even though those relationships sometimes aren't healthy, you can't let them control you out of anger or spite or unforgiveness because it can almost become like a disease inside your body. So you have to, through the power of God and the Holy Spirit, you have to allow those things to be controlled in the right way and not let them control you in the negative way. So don't let those unhealthy relationships control you. Here's number four, wrong beliefs and wrong thinking. Do you believe that some people can have some wrong beliefs and wrong thinking? Absolutely. Here's one, I can do it by myself. I can do it alone. I don't need anyone else's help. That's a little extreme, isn't it? Or, let's take it to the other side. I can't do this at all. Unless someone comes along and does it for me, I I can't get it done. How many of you know there's a balance between those two? So we do need people to help us, but people aren't going to do everything for us. If you're thinking either one of those, that's not going to be the right way to think. I can't do this by myself. Here's another one I don't deserve to be successful. Because what I've done, my past, uh, who I am, I do not deserve to be successful. And even people in the church, because of their belief, thinks that God doesn't even want you to be successful. Can, Can I refute that this morning? Joshua chapter 1, listen as I read. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success say that with me good success wherever you go this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for when you make it your way for for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have what good success now with that being said does God want you to be successful absolutely Now here is the caveat. Is it by the world's standard of success or is it by God's standard of success? See, the world's standard of success is you drive a hot car, you have a hot babe, you live in a mansion. I mean, you're on Facebook, you're, you're, you're plastered everywhere, you have diamonds in your teeth. You've got money, you, you've got power, you've got notoriety. That's the world's definition of success. How many of you know, we're not talking about the world's definition of success? Listen, mom, if you raise some good kids, that's pretty successful these days. Dads, if you have a job, provide food on the table. That's pretty successful in some ways, right? Here's another one, Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. Why was Joseph successful? The Bible says because the Lord was with him. If the Lord is with you, you can be successful. Not the world's definition, but God's definition. So don't be controlled by this idea that you have that maybe be warped or I would have that would be warped. We have to have the right belief, the right thinking. If we don't, it can control us. Here's another one. Well, I'm not perfect. Well, baby, nobody is. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. God's perfect, but we're not. Or what about this? I'm too old. Well, I'm glad Moses didn't say that. I'm glad Abraham didn't say it. at a hundred. don't use that as an excuse. don't use I'm too old. I'm too young. Don't use, you, you know what the devil will do? He'll get you either way. He, he'll, he'll say you're too old. He'll say you're too young. He, he'll say the porridge is not right at all. I, I mean, some of you don't even know what that meant. <laughs> no one will listen to me. My opinion doesn't matter. What I say doesn't matter. Don't think that way. Friday, our staff went out to eat together. It was 1130 We ordered. Our waitress came to our table. She took her order, brought her drinks. And she came back a little bit later and she looked at me and everybody sitting around. She said, I want to tell you something. I thought, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. She said, a few months ago, you were in here and you were with a gentleman and you told him a story. And I listened to you as you told that story. And I had to leave because I had to go to a private place and cry. And she said, I want you to know that I overheard what you said to him and it affected my life. You never know who's listening. So when you say what I say doesn't matter, that's wrong thinking. Do not be controlled by wrong beliefs, wrong thinking, because if you do you'll get squeezed into a pattern. I I shared this uh, earlier this morning. There were two monks, and they had taken, you know, this vow of poverty, and this we're going to live, this monistic life, and they were under a tree meditating by a fairly small river, but it rained, and the river would come up maybe about waist deep. Most of the time, you could just cross on it, maybe, you know, ankle deep at the most. It's rocky, and... There was a woman that came up to the river. She had a wedding dress on. And she got to the river and she began to cry. She began to weep. And the monks went to her and said, what's wrong? She said, I'm going to my wedding. But the river has risen and I cannot cross the water. It will destroy my beautiful wedding dress. And one of the monks said, I will help you across. And he took her in his arms. He carried her across the river and set her down. He came back across the river and the other monk said, I can't believe you did that. I cannot believe you did that. I cannot believe you picked up that woman and took her across the river and carried her to the other side. And he said, well, she was in trouble. I was just trying to help. So they're going back home, and all the way back home, he's saying, I cannot believe you carry that woman. I can't believe you touched that woman. And finally when they got home, he said, now wait a minute. I just carried her across the river. You carried her all the way home. (laughs) How many of you know people like that? They won't let it go. (laughs) Yang, 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 yang. to me. It's not the right timing. You know what the right timing is? Right now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is your day. Amen. Now, everything I've mentioned aforetime here is usually all about our feelings. I I don't feel like my opinion matters. I I have other people's opinions that that, uh, are affecting me. Now, let me say this and we're going to do the last one we'll get out of here. Everything That I've spoken nearly is all by feelings. How many of you know we don't walk by feelings? We walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by feelings. We don't function that way. We have to believe in the Word of God and how God has orchestrated our life. And here's number five don't be controlled by money. Don't be controlled by money you know when I hear negative things about money it's usually about people who don't have any I just thought that I'd say that <laughs> you control your money don't let your money control you and if you do then God will allow you to function in the right way because we have to be careful because your money can maybe tend to control you And when people say, well, money can't control you, really, Jesus had a different opinion. Listen as I read. This is Matthew 6. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, and the King James Version says mammon. Now, we don't use that much mammon, but it was an archaic way of saying, this is the Embodiment, this is the personification of materialism. Now, that being said, money is neither good or bad. We say money's amoral. If you don't like it, give it to me. Y'all alright? Money is neither good nor evil. It just depends how you relate to it and what you use it for. So, does God want you to be successful? We already addressed that. And sometimes we don't really understand that many of the people that we really look up to in the faith were rich. The Bible doesn't say that Abraham was rich. The Bible says Abraham was very rich. Isaac was rich. Jacob was rich. Joseph was rich. He was rich. He had all of Egypt, my friends. David was rich. Solomon was the richest man that ever lived. Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb. So it's not the fact that we have money or not have money. Let's not let money have us. But God wants you to be successful, not in the world's view of success, culture's view of success, but his view of success. So we have to realize that this is an issue that people can get way out of whack. Now, I think God wants your business to be successful. Let me tell you something. Carrie and I pray for you to be successful. We do. We pray for your business. We pray for your job. We pray for your practice. So you say, well, nobody cares about what, no, 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 no. whoa, whoa, whoa. We're praying for you to be successful. Because when you're successful, we can do And be more in the kingdom because of the resources that God has for us. So it's not whether you're rich or you're poor or or you're here or you're there. It's how you relate to what God has put in your life and how you're willing to steward that and shepherd that. It makes all the difference. But if it controls you, then that's a negative. But if you control what it does, that's a positive. And one of the ways that we can control materialism is by being benevolent and generous. And so that hold doesn't get a grip on us. We become generous, benevolent, and it helps us not to let money control us. Do you think that Judas had a little bit of money control? I think so. Do you think the rich young ruler had a little bit of money control. Jesus knew what was in their hearts. But yet other people who are very wealthy, like Zacchaeus, he said, this is a son of Abraham too. You know what? It's really not whether you have money or you don't have money. It's whether the money has you. That is a horrible master. That is a horrible control because we can get in our life God has blessed me so much and people say that all the time I mean people say that and they never go to church don't even know who God is and we can be like that man in the Bible I'm going to pull down my barns and build greater because I have so much wealth and the Lord said you're a fool because this night your soul is going to be required of you So it said, Well, how much did that rich man leave? All of it. Left all of it. How many know there's no no U hauls behind Hearst? No pockets and shrouds. Because once you leave, you leave it all. It's okay while we're here, but you know what? When you get to heaven, all the gold you accumulated is just paving material in heaven, it's like asphalt. You're going to walk on streets of gold. So you and I today have to come to this realization. There are things that want to control me. There are people that want to control me. But the love of Christ should be controlling me. The Holy Spirit should be controlling me. Let's talk about that next time. Amen. Bow your head with me.